The Inside Vegas Podcast on the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. Don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports and the football all year long. Log on to MyBookie right now and use promo code SGP50 to get a 50% deposit bonus up to $3,000. That's promo code SGP50. You play, you win, you get paid. We're also brought to you by Oddshark. Get free picks from the supercomputer and expert writing staff, as well as data-driven editorial content. Betting trends and stats you will not find anywhere else. Follow them on Twitter at Oddshark and check them out at oddshark.com. We are brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is the only mobile app that gives you the best chance to beat Vegas. And now NFL lines are available on the app. The best part, BetQL is free to download from your Apple or Android device. Head on over to BetQL.co to download the only app you need to make smarter bets. BetQL is brought to you by the makers of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. And lastly, new sponsor on board, BetProfit. Tired of having no true hedging option? Enter Profit, the only marketplace designed for users to buy and sell previously placed sports slips. Profit lets you sell a percentage of your bet if not the whole bet, guaranteeing immediate profit while keeping your original skin in the game on your original bet. Sign up today and go to betprofit.co for early access for the new beta of BetProfit. Welcome into the November 2nd edition of the Inside Vegas podcast. Coming off a two-bet consensus best bet winner with David DeMann, we are welcoming on one half of the Deep Dive podcast. Obviously, you've heard the White Whale on here a bunch, both on the SGP regular side of things and on the Inside Vegas podcast with me. We are welcoming in the co-host, Andy. Follow him on Twitter at Andy M. SFW is in safe for work. Indy has really, I don't believe he's done a ton of stuff um, solo, usually obviously um, on the podcast with the White Whale titled The Deep Dive. This week, we're, we have Andy Solo, and I'm so happy that we do because um, we, we were able to really, really dig into the first half of the NFL as well as look forward into the second half. So we dig into everything First half being, you know, what type of teams were maybe a facade? What type of teams can you look to fade going forward? Best trends. Um, and basically look at the first half of the NFL, both AFC and NFC, and look at everything uh, to try to apply it to what is coming next. We do a full rewind or the first review for the NFL season and a full week or full season preview for the second half of the NFL season, including playoffs, teams to play some futures on. Um, really one of the one of my favorite episodes we've done this year as we really break down the NFL as a whole. We do full, full Super Bowl preview uh, and predictions as well as everything and everything first half and the second half. I hope you guys enjoy this. This is Andy of the Deep Dive Podcast. Again, follow him on Twitter at Andy M. SFW. And as always, Deep Dive podcast can be found on iTunes as well as anywhere else podcasts are found and deepdivemedia.co. Hope you guys enjoy this. This is myself and Andy. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast, one half of the Deep Dive. This is the first episode, I believe, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this may be the first episode you've done kind of solo in a while uh, with Thought You're Running Buddy and the White Whale. White Whale has obviously been on um, the Inside Vegas podcast before to do, you know, look at things modeling, kind of a deep dive into what his, you know, thought process of handicapping are. But have you ever um, kind of came on a show to kind of talk about what your thought process is, Andy, and kind of everything like that? And I guess I should start with uh, the the semantics of things. How are you, my my friend, yada yada yada. Not, Does anybody care? Not too bad. No, <laughs> no, just I've got I've got a couple streams up. I'm watching uh, this garbage Thursday night game where 
apparently Nick Mullins is good and there's some action going on, but boy, there's some blowouts. Actually, the UCF game is good. I yeah. know you got in, you, you got in, uh, some live positions there. Yep. Yep. Sweating that out. Look, you, you can lose many times bidding against a streak, but this win streak, you, you got to take, take some shots oh, yeah. when the market presents itself, but don't think I'm too smart. Cause I myself had the Raiders and that looks like it's gone by the wayside. So, Hey, you, you give in uh, you give and take in this, in this wild world we call sports gambling, especially in, in football, whether it be the NCAA or the NFL, right? Oh yeah. Even the, nobody wins them all. <laughs> So as we look at this, right, first half review, second half preview. Um, so let's start with this. We'll, we'll do this as a quick question before we break into kind of teams, ATS, divisions, kind of best bets for the second half, trends, surprises, all that type of stuff. What is, let's start with this. What is the biggest surprise of the first half of the 2018 season? Um, and then we can couple that with your biggest hit as either something you nailed and what was the worst take that you had as something as a bet that was just thought one thing and it was the worst. And I will follow suit with you. Man, I, th- I I think maybe the biggest surprise, and it wasn't a surprise to some people, and it, I, this has been pounded into the ground, but I really didn't know what we would make out of Pat Mahomes yeah. if he would be. But I, I really got to you know take my hat off and tip my cap to Andy Reid because, and we've said this on the deep dive, he created a Big 12 team in the yeah. AFC West. Like they're running – they're running just a big 12 team there. They are not really all that invested in defense and they're going to throw it deep. They got speedy players all over the field and it, it's working. It's, it's one of those things where you never can tell if it's, if it's like the wildcat and it's the teams are going to catch up to it, or if this is what the future of the NFL looks like and the way the scoring and some of the offenses goes, this, this just might be the way you need to go. I'm, we were a little low on Kansas city. Just, we were surprised that they got rid of so many defensive players. I really wasn't sure if that was going to work out, but if, if teams can't outscore you, it doesn't really matter what your defense looks like. Yeah. So I really, Really surprised, but I guess uh, this is the new NFL. Yeah, it, it, when you, that's such a good take, man, because philosophically, right? I mean, the new hotness is guys like what? Sean McVay, uh, Nagy out in Chicago, you know, the new youth that's kind of revolution, the, revolutionizing the game, kind of bringing that college element, right? It kind of started with the RPO, but I mean, of all people, for Andy Reid to be the kind of second guy to follow suit after Sean McVay, I'm not sure a lot of people saw that coming. Um, and so you yeah. know, when you look at this through the lens of Mahomes, I, I don't know if it's fair to call that a surprise just because nobody knew, right? I mean, it, it, it's not shocking in that because you didn't have, you know, a baseline. I don't think anyone expected this level of success, um, but that yeah, was, no, that's, know, that's definitely the surprise is like just how many points they're putting up with ease and some points of the games. Yeah. It, again, you, you really, you nailed that, you know, with, with what Andy Reid is, has created for me, biggest surprise. And when we look at the halfway point, um, obviously I have, I'm reading every team's ATS record right now, a lot of middle in the packs. I mean, so after Kansas city at seven and one ATS, as we drop down from that Detroit at five and two, all the way. So two points basically separate separates, uh, number two to number 31 and then San Francisco, um, two and six look for me. This may sound like a square take. My biggest surprise, and I know that this is obviously predicated by injuries. Uh, I look pretty stupid, uh, hand up, holding a San Francisco over eight wins total. Uh, I beat the number by by basically a half to a point in some shops at, at nine wins. Um, I had a Jimmy Garoppolo thirty to one beat the market, closed at about fifteen to one, um, and they're nothing more than paperweights at this point. So I know it was kind of a a square take to to be higher on the 49ers. and I, I'm, you know, at the end of the day, I arrived at the same decision as those guys. So. So, uh, I'm not saying that there's anything different here, but obviously you can't see Garoppolo going out. 
but at the end of the day, uh, I'm not saying I arrived at that because of Garoppolo never losing a, a start and going 5-0. Nobody saw that. I just thought that they were trending in the right direction with kind of their draft, what they brought in, obviously losing a running back and a quarterback. So to me, San Francisco, obviously being that public darling, I think is one. And the other one uh, is Jacksonville to me. Just that the way the defense has fallen apart, I think that Blake Bortles implosion is reasonably to be expected at this point. Uh, but those would be the two biggest teams there. But let's move over to um, your best take, I guess, uh, in something that you have absolutely nailed that looks great at the halfway point uh, or anything in that range? It's more of a positive note. Oh, I do have some futures that don't look terrible, but I did grab, I grabbed the bears to win the NFC at 50 to one, which would have been the absolute top of that market. And not to say that that's, that's going to happen. The NFC is so tough, but it is. Make I a pretty do, petty do, on I, prop swap right now, my friend. Yeah, I know. I, I pimped this book out a little, even though it's a, it's kind of a shitty offshore, but there is one book that you can use in America that has the cash out button and Ooh. anything on it except futures because it's like, you know, and if you have Canadian or, you know, foreign listeners, they know like three, six, five and the other books, yep. they have the cash out button. And like you said, you're living in Vegas and there's other States that allow it too. prop swap is a great tool. Uh, I saw you tweet about your Notre Dame future today. <laughs> yeah. I like, saw that. Yesterday. That's, that's, that's a great, that's a great way to do things. Grabbed in, you know, to get off the NFL, I guess for a second, you, what was it? A 25 to one ticket. And it's yeah. down to six to one. Yeah. That's, you don't have to bet. In no world did I think the Bears win the NFC at all. But I said, this 50 to one number is stupid. It, it could end up where these teams end up in the playoffs and I can just hit the cash out button and take my money. Cause it, it is nice not to have to hedge. Yeah. Like you have it, with, with your prop swap. It's nice, nice to not have to like lay you know, two grand on Bama at minus 300 or something to, to get some money back. I think it's going to even take when, when, more yeah, than it might that. Take a lot more. <laughs> it might take a lot more than that. If, you know, if Notre Dame runs the table, you have to have a huge chunk of your bankroll in play to hedge. So I do love future bets. Um, I'm a little nervous about some of the ones I have for division winners, but uh, I do love adding to them as I go. Some of those where I will take, like I took Dallas to win the the East at plus 450 or no plus 370 on that one. And I've added to that with some Eagles. So naturally the Redskins are doing well right now, but uh, there's, there's a few, there's a few of those that might have some legs. I'm a little disappointed with Baltimore lately, but uh, it's, it's definitely something I like to add futures throughout the season and definitely every week I look at them. Yeah, that's one thing I, I've truly, um, again, I try to never have somebody on this podcast that I don't respect and listen to and, and take into their account almost blindly. And one thing I have truthfully, hand to God, learned from you uh, and Whale is at the end of the week, in, in weeks that end up, you know, a little more positive, uh, to look at instead of, you know, I know it's a, a different world being in Vegas where everything is cash, you know, be it offshore account or um, mobile accounts. But when you have a, a, a an exceptionally good week, um, instead of just, you know, withdrawing that from your mobile account, um, play some futures with it, you know, reinvest invest that capital that you've earned into the futures market rather than, you know, and again, having to deposit and offshore is a little bit different, but for me, you know, having to use that cash capital, um, to do that. And so that's one thing that I think that maybe people don't do enough. I know I didn't, uh, do it enough in me being immersed in this world. I feel like if, if maybe I'm not doing enough, other people aren't for sure. And that's one lesson, um, definitely learned on the deep dive and obviously talking to you guys kind of off air and everything, um, a way to really, really reinvest that capital, take those, you know, quote unquote free rolls, um, through your winnings and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And especially, you know, shout out to the whale for some of the stuff he does with schedule grids and looking ahead. If you can look for spots like, you know, this team looks like shit. They're three and five. 
but they, you know, they have a really easy second half of the schedule and they're sitting on a big number, a couple games back from the division. Those are, those are just beautiful spots as far as getting a value on a number, looking at the schedule, looking further ahead. Because I felt it's a, it's one of the smallest sample sizes. You only get the 16 games and football in general, stuff like that. Yeah, for sure, man. And it's, it's so funny, you know, when people talk about the sample size of the NFL and to get to the long-term sample size, it takes many seasons and there can be turnaround. Uh, so it's a little bit of a micro market like that, but can't, can't say enough good things about that, uh, in the futures market. And, you know, I did want to touch on this because I think it bears merit to kind of go a little bit deeper into this. And it's the idea of placing futures with the intention, you know, that they're not going to win, right? I have zero uh, 0.0 did I ever think that Notre Dame was going to win. And again, I'm not sitting here, you know, pumping my tires on placing this ticket. I want to take you through the thought process that I placed that ticket knowing that Notre Dame had no chance to ever win the national championship, but with the ca- the cash out option, like prop swap available, um, or some of these other, uh, outlets that are coming out, uh, it, it bears merit that that needs to be a part of, you know, your betting portfolio that you, you really kind of attack is, is that mindset of taking a bet, knowing that it has no chance to win. Um, and whether that be hedging or selling or whatever the case may be. Well, yeah, it's just like I was talking about the schedule, the spot you took that, and I grabbed a little of that too. Thank you very much. Uh, was if if well, I mean who who Stanford Stanford if yeah they beat if they beat Stanford the rest of the schedule they'd be favored in every single game. Most of them would be uh, a good handful would be double digit favorites, yep. and yeah, you, I mean you looked at the schedule. If they beat Stanford, there's a good chance they'll go undefeated. I mean, it just the thing with futures, you, you can't live in the now. Like, oh man, this team's hot. I better get on them to win the Super Bowl or whatever. You really do have to look ahead and see like what is what's the path for this six. It's like you talk about with the UFC. What's the path to see, path to victory? Yeah, and you got to look ahead to that and see like is this is this a feasible path to victory for this ticket to, and like you said, not even to win, but to get much, much more valuable. Just the market, man. Just the market. Buy low, sell high, and you'll be able to do just fine. So let's move along as we look into the first half of the NFL. Uh, Basically, let's do this. We'll do, we'll start with teams just because as we're always going to look at the gambling lens. I have ATS up right in front of me for every single team. Now, a lot of this is really grouped together, so I'm not sure that there's a ton that bears merit. And as everyone knows, my affinity for shouting that the spread won't matter up to, you know, three games per week. Basically, as I pulled, as I read right now at the halfway point, I wrote about this on the What We Learned article, 70% of the time, the spread has mattered uh, this year. Kansas City, obviously losing their first cover of the year last week uh, with Denver. Kansas City sits atop at seven and one all the way back down as we touched on San Francisco, likely to move to two and seven after tonight. The bottom, I'll read the bottom five. Philadelphia, Giants, Atlanta, Oakland, and San Francisco. Um, Let's start with the worst first, I guess. Um, I'll even throw Jacksonville up there just because they're tied at three and five. When you look at these teams in a week by week basis, um, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, Giants, Atlanta, Oakland, and San Francisco, Anything kind of, you know, again, this is the week to week market more than the futures market. When we look at it through the, the weekly lens, anything jump out of you? I touched on Jacksonville and to me, that's, that's the one, right? Um, there, uh, the Bortles implosion, I think people always saw coming, but the defense was so good that it didn't really matter. Uh, and they were able to play their brand of football does, you know, is Fournette being out having more to do with that? Uh, what's, you know, what do you take away from maybe a first half kind of surprise as a weekly ATS, um, you know, not moneymaker again in the Jacksonville Jaguars or any of those teams kind of mentioned? I think just looking at those bottom five, I have that same page pulled up. Those are all teams where, I mean, things happened that just, you know, they weren't expected. Like Atlanta and San Francisco, huge cluster injuries. You can't win if your your 
two of your best offensive players get hurt pretty much immediately. Yeah. Like San Francisco is just dick. That that sucks. <laughs> Atlanta, Atlanta lost a ton of players on defense. And then just, you know, Jacksonville, Oakland, and the Giants. They just seem like lost franchises right now. Uh, the Giants with Eli, they're not wanting to move on. Jacksonville, they actually, you know, they benched Bortles. Yep. That's, a, that's a problem. And, and their defense hasn't looked good. And then Oakland, uh, the John Gruden experiment isn't working. I mean, there are teams that are even under, obviously, you look at the ATS numbers they're putting up. They're underperforming even against the Vegas numbers because of just massive problems, whether it's injuries, coaching, or just overall dysfunction. And, you know, you can't just blindly blindly continue to fade them as the markets will start to catch up. But if you see teams that are trending this way, like just, well, they, they haven't seemed to figure out that, the you know, the Giants can't seem to figure out that that offense with Eli isn't working. It's, it's if it's a lean, it might have to become a play if it's a team that's sitting in a category like that for you. Yeah, it, it's it's weird, right? Because this has really become a trend in the first half as we dig into this. First-year head coaches really wanted to get the old guard out of there. When you look at Detroit, you know, sending away Golden Tate, you look at everything um, that Matt Patricia's done to kind of bring his culture in, right? Bringing, you know, guys like Blunt, um, some of the Patriots in there. Uh, and obviously, John Gruden. Now, Gruden has probably the longest leash in the National Football League regardless, uh, but nobody has really cleaned house the way he has, and he wants to either win or lose with his guys. Uh, obviously, Gruden is going to be with this team uh, through the Las Vegas move in two years. So he's obviously given that leash. Um, they want him as the face of that franchise uh, in Vegas. So, it, it, you know, it, it's a little bit, I feel like maybe we should have seen this coming a little bit when, or maybe it's something to attack next season is when these teams, you know, don't start out well. You know, this is, the NFL is largely different than the NBA when it comes to tanking. Uh, it, you know, yes, it happens, but it's not really as talked about as much. Um, you know, it's not as blatant, I would say maybe. And so when you have these first year head coaches on teams that, aren't expected to contend. I think it bears merit to, you know, look at that trade deadline coming up or, or to go under a season win total, knowing just how little it takes to really go wrong for these teams, you know? Yeah. If, if we didn't known, you know, what Gruden's Gruden's, it's like you said, with the leash and his motivation is not to win probably even next year. He's probably got a two year plan of I'm going to collect some draft picks and put my team together because this isn't my team. Right. And so who knows, maybe Gruden might end up being a decent coach again, having a decent squad in a couple of years, but yeah, absolutely. They are, they are not looking to do well this year. And I don't think, I don't think Derek Carr is uh, long for that team either. I think uh, they're just going to completely implode that. I mean, I'm watching them now. That's yeah. It's not great. <laughs> it is not. And one more team we'll talk about from kind of the back end of the first half is the Giants. And I just want to touch on this because the debate uh, that, you know, Whale has always been on is that you should never take a running back, especially that high at two overall, but even in the first round. Um, and I think that there's maybe a a thought process that they did that whale um, or anyone who subscribes to never taking a running back early um, didn't account for. And this was something I believe that we talked about when I did the podcast with what did, did the deep dive with you guys, which was that this could be a two year plan, right? If you're not sold on any of the quarterbacks, you take the best player available. Um, they, if you believe he's a generational talent, you know, a, an AP, a girly, um, whatever the case may be, um, you take the step back knowing that you're going to still have an awful quarterback, have no offensive line, but you take the asset knowing he's going to be the 
best available in the next 10 years. And again, there's no really, you know, stud running back coming out in this draft. Um, you know, maybe outside of Bryce Love, it, you know, he's very undersized, whatever the case, whatever you feel there. Uh, but when you look at this, um, they're really in the same position they were last year and they're coming away with probably the best running back to come out in the last, you know, five years. Now you can take that pick. You can, if you're in the top one, two, maybe you get a guy like Herbert. You're certainly going to be able to get probably the second best quarterback, if not third. Uh, and then you can, you know, trade back in or, or address that offensive line again. And you kind of get the best of both worlds, knowing that that talent isn't really in there. Do you buy in or do you build in that thought process of, you know, a two year window to kind of rebuild for Giants? Or do you think it was just uh, this is just kind of what they were left with? And now they're kind of forced into that position. It, it's one of those things we'll we'll probably never know. Yeah. You know, we won't ever know. But if that was their plan, God bless them because it's working. <laughs> um, and I do think Saquon is great, which is I was so torn because you've seen just time and time again, drafting a running back really high hasn't worked out a ton. But at the same time, he's so good. It's it's tough. Like they're almost put in a no win situation. Like if they pass on him, he's going to go somewhere else and go to the Hall of Fame. And if they, you know, if they do draft him, they're going to catch hell for not drafting a quarterback. So it was really tough. I said, maybe they should just trade back, like get the farm for it because they, they're in a no win situation. But it does look like just with all the dysfunction and Eli playing the way he is, they have lucked into probably another top five pick. And yeah, they, they better take a quarterback this time because they, they a young guy, but, uh, I think they cut him, didn't they? The Loletta, the guy yeah, that he, got he just like, yeah he had a cop car. yeah exactly he there was talks he may get the job and, and then uh, I mean he was uh, he was talked about in the same breath as, as kind of Garoppolo and under the radar type of guy um, and I guess we'll, we'll talk about kind of first first round quarterbacks in this and again it all depends on your thought process the rumors are they wanted Mayfield and once he were gone they weren't sold on him um, yeah. again I I've, I really believe that you can take that running back and be okay because it's a proven difference maker when you look at a guy like Gurley or, or AP for however long you get it no I don't think that or Le'Veon Bell. And I know that, you know, the James, James Conner doing what he's don't, doing this year really kind of takes away from that argument. But I think that they can really put you over the top, although it's very proven you do not need a running back or even much of a running game to win in the NFL. Um, but I'm still a little bit of a believer in that generational talent. So as we looked at the worst, let's go up to the best. Um, I don't know how many surprises are really here. Kansas City seven and one. Detroit. Yeah, as we look at again, this is against the spread record for the first half of the season. Kansas City seven and one. Top number two teams are all uh, three way tie here. Detroit, New Orleans, and Washington at five to two. And then as we look down, Seattle, Cleveland five and three, and New England at five and three. Uh, Look, we look at this top right. There's there's some familiar faces as we see. Uh, New England all the way there. And again, spread not mattering. New England record six and two. ATS record six and three. None of these outside of, I believe, Cleveland are more than two games outside of their ATS record here. Um, so Kansas City, look, obviously world beaters, right? Not much you can take away from them. Um, we look down as we look at the Rams at four and four it is really, really the glaring one market a little bit inflated. Um, and again, when I said none of those top teams were more than two, this one, I'm going to jump down to the four and four market. That is the Rams because I think that that's one that that's huge, right? Huge disparity in what they've doing too against the spread. Um, Seattle, Washington, New Orleans, Detroit, Kansas City, Cleveland, New England. Um, anything there that really jumps out of you? Kind of how teams are playing against their expected uh, market? Well, it's kind of you. You kind of hit on it, maybe without even meaning to. Obviously, you don't have to be a good team to have a good against the spread record, right? You know, obviously, like Cleveland has the same against spread record as New England. Those teams are about as far apart as we can get. <laughs> that that, you know, that statement really that, hurts me yeah. where, it co- where it counts. You know yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and it, it just, I think some of it is maybe a team like Cleveland or even Detroit up there at five and two 
it's not saying like, you know, that the, it might just be that it's very tough to price these teams. Yeah. Especially at this point in the season when both of those teams, uh, well, Detroit's only played seven games uh, with uh, Cleveland halfway with eight. It, it might not be that uh, the spread is coming into the to there because the team's overperforming or you know maybe even the other teams are underperforming. It's just those teams might have just been kind of hard for the books to price. Yeah. Especially, you know, with Detroit, with a new coach and there was some goofiness there too. I mean, did you watch the first game? Did you see the Jets winning by like whatever they won by? Yeah, Sam Donald's uh, youngest yeah, quarterback a, in Monday Night Football ever, and went in there and boat raced him. Yeah, th- there's there's always going to be weird results like that, and sometimes you just have to take some context into it too, and go back and look and be like, you know, how the hell is Detroit five and two against the spread? Are they are they really you know world beaters when it comes to covering? Yeah, because I, I don't agree. think they are. When we look at this, I want to talk about the Rams because this is the greatest disparity when it comes to actual record uh, and the Rams ATS record, um, really accounting for basically about 4% of my famous uh, spread doesn't matter anymore. Um, really crazy, actually, when you think about, you know, to this point, that four games uh, difference when we look at the Rams at 8 no, 4 and 4 ATS. Market overvaluing them, yet at the same time, if you bet their team total over every single week, you're 7-1. and one. Um, So a little bit, you know, maybe disrespecting opponents' ability to score against them, or what do you make of that one just because it's the biggest one on the board? Yeah, and that's sometimes what you risk, too, once a team starts hot or maybe even doesn't start hot, but is planning on being one of the elite teams in the in the game where they put these big spreads on them and you just you sit there and look at those during the week and you think of all the ways that you're going to get backdoored. When, you know, well, when a team, you know, when a team has a, a bigger spread, when a spread is bigger than one possession, you know, it's hard for those teams to care, especially for a late garbage touchdown. Those are the most maddening. Or if you bet the other way, they can be the most exciting plays in football. But, you know, when it, when a team is a 10, 11 point favorite, they're up late. They don't care. And that's really tough. So sometimes I think that's what you see with teams like, you know, the Rams or as Gurley showed other. Yeah. Other. Oh yeah. Gurley (laughs) Gurley showed us the big way. They don't, they don't care about covering as much as we, we want them to. Completely, completely agree. Um, Anything you want to touch on when it really comes to, you know, just weekly, you know, buying and selling teams against the spread um, with this record up in front of you right now, before we move on to kind of the divisionals things as they stand at the halfway point. I think, yeah, like I said, the biggest thing ever for me is like the context of it sometimes, you, especially when you're looking some of these teams, you're only looking at a seven game sample mm-hmm. where and maybe you can look if other people are looking at this and saying, wow, like, you know, the Chargers are three and four against the spread. I think the Chargers are a damn good team. They just happen to have played the Rams and the, you know, they played the Rams and the Chiefs right away. It's awful tough to get off the get off the mat against those teams right away. So, you know, sometimes you go back and look at why a team is doing what they are against the spread, and you can kind of predict, you know, not only just straight up and wins as far as futures, but this is a team that's going to be covering more. And perhaps, you know, when they are having a bad against the spread record. The, the market is going to be a little cooler on them and you might find a little more value later on in the year. Completely. I'm going to put you on the spot here. What what will the top three teams be against the spread come when week 17 is all said and done off the top of your head? Do you do you think, and you know, taking into account that the Chiefs are already 7-1 and one, and taking into account what these records are in front of you, um, what do you think the top three look like? Boy, New England just starts turning into a cover machine later in the year, don't they? Of like course. They, you feel like they're going to be up there. They always are. It's tough to take Casey out of the top three because I mean, what I mean, 
maybe this is something you know. What what is the top against the spread every year? I mean, what's the best one ever? Uh, I, so, I couldn't even tell you. Like, yeah, there's so got to be some thirteen and three years. I'm sure every year. So when you look back since 2015, basically the the number one team is New England, obviously at 66. Uh, percent Basically, it finishes right about 68 to seven. And again, when you take New England out of this, they're they're so far and above. But as I look, as you look back on this, I'll just start with 2015. Um, 2015, Minnesota was 82% against the spread that year. To, uh, hmm. 2016, New England was 16 and three. This includes playoffs, obviously at 84%. So it's actually a little bit higher than I thought. And last year, Philadelphia back to the normal at 68%. New England again in the top three in all of those years. So basically 68% um, to basically about 80%. And then again, if you take those top teams, the number one teams out is right around that 72%. So basically 68 to 72%. So like, that's like an 11 and five season against the spread. Yep. So it would be very tough for Kansas city to fall that far. They'd really have to start pricing those big and getting backdoored every week. Cause I don't see them going like four and Oh geez, you know, four and four against the spread. They're just a cover machine They're It's so easy to be a cover team with offense. And I think you're seeing that if you look at the, some of these teams that are, you know, not all of them, but there's some high scoring teams up towards it. So yeah, New England, Kansas city, honestly, the way new Orleans is playing lately, they're five and two and I don't see that stopping. They are looking like world beaters. I can definitely see them in the top three too. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, man. Let's break this down by division again. As these teams sit in the the uh, halfway point of the season, um, so we'll start with the AFC East, just because I feel like this one's pretty easy all year round. Um, New England, obviously, two games lead over Miami, four and four. Jets, three and five. Buffalo at two and six. I think the only thing worth talking about is what a buy low opportunity minus three hundred was, and I think that that's going to be the takeaway. Yeah. Is pretty much the the lowest you'll see the Patriots in the last, I would say, you know past 10 years. Um, so hopefully some people got on that, but I mean, do you have anything of note really in, in the, when it comes to the AFC East, when we talk about odds wise, I believe New England about minus 1200, minus 1500 as they were preseason. Oh yeah. It's, it's huge again. I mean, what, what did it dip down to? You know what it got to during the regular season when the, when the, Dolphins started hot. Yeah. Is there a buy spot in there at all? Yeah. I got minus 250 and minus 300 on the Patriots. Oh, that's, you did take those in season. Yeah. That was, that was yeah, right I mean, after the was, Detroit game. That was probably the look. I mean, obviously there, you're not going to see those numbers again during the year at all. Like uh, it's bound for, you know, the Patriots are going to do what they're going to do. They're going to be winning the NFL or the AFC East and everyone else is going to fade. Obviously the dolphins were a bit of mirage and the other two teams aren't going to get to, you know, 500 even close. So yeah, that's, I don't think obviously at this point, don't, don't take anything in that division. That one's, uh, that one's done. It's a little bit, you know, it's out of character, right? It's hard to bring yourself to take a minus 200, minus 300, really, uh, favorite to, you know, in season to win a division. But at the end of the day, a buy low is a buy low and an ROI is an ROI. But nothing really of note when we talk about the AFC East. Let's move over to the AFC North. Much more competitive as it is every single year. Pittsburgh really has has really come on of late, right? 4-2-1 and one with the tie. Cincinnati, 5-3. and three. Baltimore, God, they were set up for success down, all the way down to 4-4. Four and four. And Cleveland, everyone's public darling of the year at 2-5-1. and one. Look, Cleveland only two and a half, you know, first to fourth place. And when we talk about Cleveland being in that fourth place, only two and a half games out. This division is still very much alive. Um, surprises. I, I think that this is really kind of where people, you know, obviously Cincinnati and Baltimore could be flip-flopped and nobody would really bat an eye. But I think this division largely right now is right about where everyone thought it would be. Um, I'm holding a Baltimore over eight ticket that Baltimore is driving me nuts being on them the last two weeks. Uh, and Cincinnati yeah. is, is kind of doing what they always do, right? Middle around that 10 and six, all the way down to eight and eight as, as their floor. Um, um, what do you make of the AFC North? Anything worth an investment? Maybe second half 
draft to, for the division or anything like that? Or is this kind of Pittsburgh's to lose in your opinion? Obviously a big game coming up this week with Baltimore. Yeah. Our, my biggest take on Pittsburgh, or especially early in the season, after the Shazier injury for like seven consecutive games or just a, a, a sample size of seven games, they were giving up. It was almost 30 points a game. Their defense weak. It was, I mean, you saw what Bortles did to it in the playoffs. That was embarrassing if you're from Pittsburgh. I mean, that, that's not what, that's not what that team is. It's a, you know, it's a tough division. It's a hit hard defensive team. It's like the two Steelers and Ravens games that we had this year. Uh, the totals that they set in those were just way higher than you've seen in years past. So it was used to be it always is, be 40, 44 oh, and a three and a half yeah, point line. 40, <laughs> yeah. It, it was all, yeah. I was a field goal in low forties, yep. but uh, yeah, I think we'll find out a lot. If uh, boy, if the Steelers get it done here against uh, the Ravens this week, it might be their division to, to lose. I do have some Ravens plus four I'll be tail off. I don't think they're a very good team. They've had some good luck. Honestly, I had them week one against the Colts. They probably shouldn't have won that game. Like they, they got very lucky with fumbles. They've had a couple games. They've already, you know, they've lost to the Steelers already. So they're down. They're not going to be able to take that tie break. It's going to be awful tough if if the Steelers get this done. I'm, I'm not taking any positions just since I'm already holding some Baltimore. But you know, if you do believe in that Baltimore defense to bounce back and you think they can get it done this week, there's probably a pretty nice number on Baltimore right now. Yeah, definite definite correlation with that game upcoming. What do you make? I've talked about this all season. I want to get your take on it. What do you make of the notorious just Pittsburgh being a different team on the road? When we look at this ATS, um, I mean, away only two and one, two and two at home, so not wildly outperforming the marketplace. Obviously, lot losing as a favorite is, is going to count as a loss for that. Um, but when we look at this, uh, what is, do you think, you know, this is notorious over years, right? Road Ben is a very real thing, but it's really translated over to the defense as well. Um, what do you make of kind of what the, the whole situation with Pittsburgh being basically eight points difference um, points per game scored uh, at home than during on the road? Well, and if you go back through his career, you know, there's that funny stat about the most winningest quarterback in Cleveland Stadium being Ben (laughs) Roethlisberger. Like, I wonder what Ben's road splits would look like if you took that game out of it every year, (laughs) because he usually he usually has a good game, you know, against uh, Cleveland in Cleveland. Most of his road games outside of that look pretty bad. He does have bad road splits, and that's something they're going to have to get over because I mean, especially if they want to make any sort of run, they're going to be behind New England and Kansas City. They're not going to have more than probably one home playoff game. It's going to be awful tough if they can't get it done on the road. I mean, you just you might as well just call it a an OK season where we might win the division and get a playoff win against, you know, the Titans or something stupid. Whoever comes out of the AFC South. Yeah. Again, AFC North kind of, again, flip-flop Baltimore, Cincinnati, no one with that eye, but that division kind of right where everyone thought it would. Look, Cleveland, you know, hard knocks. People were lining up to take that over. Uh, It's the same song and dance in Cleveland. Um, I don't know how much time we want to spend on this, so let's move over to the AFC South. Nobody wants to hear about the Browns. Yeah, look, AFC South is, um, at the end of the day, when you look up at the halfway point, I I think a lot of people had Houston pegged in there uh, as one of the darlings uh, with Deshaun Watson to, you know, either make the playoffs bet, I believe was like minus 160, maybe even minus 180 right around there. A lot of people, you know, banking on Andrew Luck coming back and at least being good for a 500 season. Tennessee really surprising somehow with the smoke and mirrors and obviously Jacksonville being the surprise. So this one, um, I wouldn't say top to bottom is completely uh, flopped, but if it was, if if at the halfway point, it read Jacksonville one, Indy three, 
uh, Tennessee three and Houston four, would anyone really bat an eye? You know, I think that those were well within the range of outcomes. So this one's a little bit interesting in that if one through four were completely flipped, I don't think anyone would really be shocked if Houston was three and five instead of five and three and so on. Jacksonville, the same thing. Um, but as we stand here at the halfway point of the NFL season, Houston on top at five and three, um, Watson, an injury away from really derailing their season. I don't think anyone is under the belief that this team is great without him. Uh, Fuller going down, bringing in Demarius Thomas. I don't know if you're a believer in Tennessee and kind of the variable smoke and mirrors. And and Andrew Luck has just not been enough. Um, He's been great, but not enough to really get this team over the hump with the roster that they have in Jacksonville. We've touched on this all show, really the disappointment of the division when we talk about the AFC South. Yeah, I do have a little preseason. I got to find it here. It was plus 183 for Houston to win the AFC South. So I'm sitting on that. It's a smaller bet. I didn't feel great about it as we got closer to the season. It looked like I placed it in May. So I was really feeling Houston at that point. I think it was maybe just a Jacksonville fade for me. And I mean, that part of it's working. I don't know if I've fully bought into Texans. It's like you said, if Watson gets hurt and I mean, he's already gotten hurt. He's showing kind of what what kind of nuts he's got on him by playing through possibly punctured lung, at least a collapsed or bruised bruised lung lung and some broken or bruised ribs. I mean, that that stuff hurts if you don't play football. That hurts just to live with. Like, and he's playing NFL quarterback. So if they don't get it done, I mean, it, it is wide open though. Even from, it's a two game spread from top to bottom. So anybody could get this. This is definitely a, you know, one to look for if you want to place the future right now, especially like me, if you're sitting on the Texans, I did grab some Colts just because I felt like the number was a little big. It was almost 10 to one to win the division. Yeah. And they're only two games back, and their defense stinks. It stinks out <laughs> loud. But Andrew Luck has the second most uh, touchdown passes behind Mahomes. Yeah. Like he's, he is kind of slinging. Their offensive line hasn't let him get sacked in 150 snaps, and their schedule is gross easy. They get all they get five out of six of their regular season um, games against the divisional opponents yet. So if you can get hot, if that defense can improve and luck keeps slinging, you can, you can do some damage having games. It doesn't take much to catch up. I mean, even if they just win those five and lose every single other game, you probably win the division just by beating up on, you know, Texans, Titans, and Jags. So I did think that was a little high, especially sitting on, it's easier to do this when you are sitting on some Texans money. I'm not a big believer in the Titans right now. They've really regressed after kind of coming out hot. And that might've been, like you said, smoke and mirrors. And yeah, maybe the Jaguars will make me look silly, but I think they might be maybe the worst team out of the four right now, the way they're playing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know where the Cowboys that day. Yeah, no, it's a buy low opportunity on the Jaguars for sure. If you think that that defense can figure it out because they are, again, you touched on it, two games out. um, And this Jacksonville team, I've written this up on SGP, really reminds me of the Dodgers the way I couldn't quit them. I just could not (laughs) stop betting on the Dodgers and I was greatly rewarded for it. But there were times, I mean, Dodgers were plus 300 to win the division, plus 600 uh, NL in upwards of 12, 16 to one for the World Series at certain points of the season. So you can get a little bit, you know, you can strike gold if, if you, can find that you know the down point in the market and so jacksonville without a question has the best defense in that division it's just if they can figure it out um and houston's offensive line is is beat up and watson is one injury away from that season being derailed greatly and bill o'brien losing his job so the afc south probably the most wide open when it comes to uh the 
uh, AFC landscape. Let's talk about one that's really not. Um, I guess the Chargers keeping this one a little bit closer, right? But Kansas City, seven and one. Chargers at five and two, Denver at three and five, and the lowly Raiders about to be one and seven. We look at this Chargers, where everyone's kind of social media public pick uh, darling of the AFC West, as well as really to challenge the Patriots in the AFC. I don't know. I saw one more than this team, you know, being talked about when it came to the general consensus of a team that really could, you know, this would be the year. And it's of no fault of Phillip Rivers. It's just a, a product of who else is in that division. We talk about Kansas City just being next level. Rivers having an MVP season only to be dethroned by Mahomes having the, one of the greatest seasons of a quarterback, let alone MVP. He does have greatly to contend with, but again, Mahomes, as we had uh, AG on of mybookie.ag talking about, it was the single greatest liability of any future in the history of the company uh, with Mahomes to win the MVP all the way down to even and Gurley at plus 180 right now. So two horse race there and Denver, just um, the Keenum experiment, not really working, I guess. Uh, working a little bit. I mean, I don't know if you can put all the blame on him. Cortland Sutton is going to be more involved now with the trade of Demarius Thomas. So, and again, Oakland largely discounted. Um, first half surprises of the AFC West. Yeah, it's like you said with the this one, it's only a game and a half difference, but it does kind of feel over. It feels six it, games, right? It it does it does feel like a way bigger gap, and you do have to give the Chargers credit. They're five and two, and they've lost to the Chiefs and the Rams, yeah. who are a combined fifteen and one. Like that's just that's just tough. You're you're not going to win games against the the best team when you're when you're just a titch below. And it feels like maybe they are just a titch below, and they're kind of maybe getting a little discounted because, like you said, Philip Rivers having a great year. Just that's the way the schedule shook out. I mean, maybe this could be like a fourteen and two team that finishes in second place in their division. <laughs> I, I guess if they'd, they'd have to they'd play the Chiefs one more time. I guess so. Be thirteen and three and pick second place in your division. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. So I I definitely I do have a Chargers. What do I have for Chargers? Chargers Saints exact Super Bowl matchup at one hundred and fourteen to one. That was my I I always pick one of those that I like. I should have placed a lot more of those because those are fun, but. Uh, yeah, if you took Chargers to win the division, that's tough. It's not really something you can buy out of at this point. There's, there's not, it's not a great price right now on uh, getting out of that with uh, taking some KC money. I think that's just dead ticket, like you said, paperweights. Uh, the Broncos probably need to get rid of their coach. And the you know the Raiders are going to touch on that. They they are what they are. They're they're in a full rebuild. So I don't think there's probably going to be value to grab the Chargers to win the division. That's tough. If you can find like Chargers to make the playoffs at a decent price, I think they continue to beat the teams they're supposed to and lose to the teams above them, and they're going to end up with a decent record and get that at probably the first wild card spot. So there might be value if you can find something like that. But uh, yeah, unless you want to take a long shot on like chargers to win the AFC and maybe cash out if they make it into the, Wild into the divisional round. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's we'll do um, kind of as things stand for the wild card and everything like that. When we look ahead to the second half after this um, biggest surprise in the AFC or, or any, you know, kind of topic other than what we touched on that you uh, really want to talk about or, or sticks out to you for the AFC landscape at the halfway point, be it a player team uh, standing, anything like that that we didn't touch on. I think we hit everything. No, I think, I think we hit everything good. I guess uh, I don't understand how the bills have two wins still to this. <laughs> <laughs> like we're laughing at the Raiders, but man, the Bills offense the last few weeks, it's been it's been comedy. Yeah. Like that's an insult. 
Completely, man. All right, let's shift over to the NFC. God, look, let's touch on the easiest one first, and that's the NFC West, just because this is a kind of a dead division. The Rams at 8-0, Seattle 4-3. and three. Again, I was a little bit higher on Seattle. I'm sweating this <laughs> this overwind ticket. Arizona 2-6 and six, and San Francisco 1-7. and seven. I, I touched on kind of my my worst bet of the season being a little bit higher on Garoppolo in, the, in San Francisco. Arizona complete rebuild looks inept on offense. Seattle always kind of in the thick of it. Eight and eight is, is usually the floor there, but the Rams are just level or, or next level. Um, I think we can kind of forgo any two win the division talk at this point, um, unless you think that Seattle is, you know, that live dog to go out there and, and run the table the second half of the season. Anything of note you really want to talk about in the NFC West? Yeah, I think the only drama we're going to see here is probably, you know, season win totals on a couple of these teams. If the Cardinals can get a few wins and get above theirs, if Seattle can get to 500 or maybe a game better, uh, the Rams, yeah, I I can't, I don't have the numbers pulled up. I'm guessing like minus 10,000 to win the division or something silly. Like there's probably not value grabbing any of these teams to do anything like that. In fact, even if Seattle does overperform and, get i don't know if nine and seven gets you into the playoffs yeah if they can if they can get to there they they do get games against the cardinals and niners yet so you know they do get some lower tier teams where hopefully they can pick off some wins if you need them to get to what is their season win total eight eight and a half nine somewhere in there seattle but yeah they uh seattle yeah yeah it was eight they're they're yeah they're they're just russell wilson and nothing like they need some more pieces the nfc version of the colts yeah, they they need some more pieces. They're they just don't have the team they used to have. They're trading off their old name. They're trading off the home field advantage they used to have. They're they're not going to be a playoff team. The Cardinals, I I really like how Rosen looks. It's just he he just doesn't have the weapons around him besides Johnson. They don't have outside receivers. They have an they're, old they're not they have an the old Hall of Famer they. in the slot. Yeah, they they just don't have the team. They they might be somebody in a year or two, but uh, I mean they got an old Hall of Fame receiver who's kind of relegated to play more of the slot and go around along the inside. He's not a deep threat. They don't have like a deep threat receiver for Rosen to really show off his arm. So they they. They're two and six for a reason. It's kind of a rebuild there. And yeah, the Niners, that's just tough luck with them. Yeah. Look, again, not much to talk about here, but we'll kind of forgo this. Seattle, I mean, we'll talk about this when we do the second half kind of outlook. But as it stands now, Seattle does have the second wild card uh, slot. So interesting to see where Seattle ends up on the air. Let's go to one that's a lot more competitive. Love this division. NFC South, New Orleans leading the way at six and one, nipping on their heels. Carolina at five and two. Atlanta and Tampa Bay both at three and four. Um, obviously not as competitive as say, as, say, the NFC North, but this division is just always one of the most fun, right? It has kind of the, the two highest scoring offenses outside of the Rams with the Saints and Atlanta. Atlanta, look, killed by injury, as you touched on in the beginning. And Carolina, all of a sudden, is this home juggernaut uh, with his great home field advantage. Uh, and Cam Newton absolutely doing his thing and balling out at five and two. Is this kind of this, I, I think that there may even be a little bit of a, uh, because of what Carolina has been able to do, you know, I think that there's still a, a, an opportunity to buy the saints if that's something that you know you you really feel strongly that, that this the first half of the season was kind of who they thought they were they got over there a little bit of defensive woes uh and conversely i still think there's a little bit of an opportunity to buy low especially on atlanta or carolina um i know the record says that it's the same thing as atlanta for tampa uh but i just can't buy this team long term right now um so what do you think about the nfc south and anything uh, about this first half of the year that you've seen yeah i mean we talked you know the rams being the class of the nfc but the saints have really come on uh, did they lose their first? Was it the first game that they lost? Was yep, that the against Tampa Bay. Magic game? 
Yep. So yeah, so they they've run off they've run off six straight. The offense looks good. The defense looked a little better. They got a couple, you know, nice turnovers at good times for them against uh, Minnesota last week. And, you know, they had to sneak one out against Cleveland. That wasn't uh, probably their finest weekend, but a win's a win. You'll take a win however you can get it in the NFL, especially early in the year, just to build up that lead. I really thought this was going to be a two-horse race between the Falcons and Saints. And I think the Falcons are just kind of the 49ers light. Like, they didn't have the catastrophic quarterback injury, but when you lose that many good players on a defense, put so much pressure on Matt Ryan. They are, it's funny. If you look at the points, like the points scored, you know, the Falcons have put up 190. Yeah. That's not, that's not a, a terrible total. They've put up a, a lot. They put, they've scored more than quite a few teams, but they're three and four because that defense is letting anything happen. So I, I don't know, even if they get a couple guys back, they can pick it up and get back in the division. And then, like I said, the Panthers, hands up on that one. I really didn't think they'd be good. I was not excited about North Turner as a as an offensive play caller again, but they've really found ways to work around that offensive line. Their offensive line is bad, like Texans bad. It's awful, but they've found ways to get McCaffrey in space, get the ball out quick, and use Cam Newton to his strengths where he looks like you know, he looks like he's back in the SEC and just uh, slinging the ball around and making it happen. He looks like the best player on the field when he's out there doing stuff like that. And that's how they're going to win games. So they're 4-0 at home. They get, you know, you get four more games at home. That's that's nine. If you can get the, you can just keep winning at home. And that, I've always said that about teams. If you can win most of your home games and just go 500 on the road, you probably make the playoffs. And the Panthers are doing that right now. Absolutely. So I, if if you believe in the Panthers, I mean, there's still probably some value for sure. And again, looking secondary market to make the playoffs type of better or something that gets you out of having to win that division, I think is, is very valuable. Even if you're going to take a little bit of a worse number than obviously to win the division or wild card specific bet. As we look to the NFC North, man, look, God, nobody was more wrong about Jared Goff than me. And I, I've lived on that. That's my cross to bear. And I will fall on that sword. But Mitch Trubisky, I thought, was even worse than that. And at the end of the day, be it play calling, I, I still do not think he will be a good NFL quarterback in this league. Um, leading the division at 4-3, and three, tied with Minnesota. Percentage points ahead due to the tie at Minnesota at 4-3-1. and one. Uh, Aaron Rodgers at 3-3-1. Three, three and one. I say Aaron Rodgers because he is that team. And Detroit looking like they're selling pieces. Uh, at 3-4 and four with first-year head coach Matt Patricia. Is Chicago a surprise to you? Um, I know you were a little bit higher, much like a lot of people were um, on Chicago. Um, to me, this is Minnesota's division at the end of the year. Um, I really think there's even a little bit of value in betting them now. <clears throat> um, but I, I'm just not a believer in Mitch Trubisky winning the NFC North over Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins until it happens, especially on the second half of the season. And we'll probably dive a little bit into this in the second half portion of the show. But um, surprises when we look at strictly the pass of the first half of the NFC North. Yeah, I like I like Nagy. I like what the bears have done. They made, obviously I placed my bears future before the Mac trade. That was just gravy for me. I love that. But Trubisky is inaccurate and it is going to be tough to say, like if he's washed, if he's just never going to make it, he has looked bad. He's looked pretty bad at times. His legs are carrying him, but you can say the same thing about Josh Allen 
and I don't like him at all as a quarterback in yeah. this league. So if Trubisky can improve his accuracy, he might not make it. I think Nagy's Nagy's play calling and the defense and just some of the playmakers they have outside of Trubisky and the offense have kind of carried them. They probably should have a couple more wins than they have. They really turtled at the end of a couple games. Uh, I could see him getting into the playoffs, but maybe it might be a little tough to hold through and win this division. Uh, Vikings probably get it done, even though they aren't looking as great. Uh, we talked about preseason. I was really high on the Vikings, the defense. The defense was historically good on third down last year. I figured we'd see more of the same. I figured the biggest question mark would be, is Kirk Cousins that big of an improvement? And I was flopped on that because Kirk Cousins look amazing. He looks really good. He's putting the ball all over the field, they have great receivers, and the defense hasn't looked very good. So it's kind of backwards for me on how I predicted them to uh, four, three, and one. Obviously, I wouldn't have predicted a tie, but I guess you know with the teams they've played, it's not terrible. This division is, I mean, I think easily the tightest mm-hmm. from top to bottom. But uh, if you look at the schedules, it's tough. It's tough going ahead. I don't think the the team that wins this division has a chance at a buy so, you know, a team that's going to have to sway through the playoffs. So I think if you do want to take a, you know, a flyer on Packers or Vikings Super Bowl at this point, know that, I mean, it's probably going to be saints and the Rams that end up with the buy. So it's going to be a team that's going to need to win games just to get to the Super Bowl. So, you know, you got to keep things in mind like that when you do go ahead with futures and, also, I might just steer away from the Packers. You know, there's that narrative that Rodgers, you know, tells everyone to relax and then he wins the last six games and they're in the playoffs. But their schedule is ridiculous for the second half. I would uh, I would probably just steer clear of them right now. They're kind of like the Colts of the NFC as far as it's just like you said, it's Rodgers and nobody. Yeah. It's it's really difficult. Um, what do you make of Minnesota really not being that dominant force when you look at uh, the homes or being at home? Traditionally, they are based. They were basically the best home team in the NFL uh, against the spread and straight up uh, next to New England this year. One and three, uh, one two and one, depending on a number on one um, against the spread at home and two and two. Um, not the same home field advantage. It seems at least when it ter- when it, we're talking about strictly results based. Yeah, I I don't remember what happened in the uh, Bills game. They lost that somehow. That was that was the game. I've been to one game this year, and I went to that one. What a what a bad way to spend an afternoon. They, <laughs> they just I'm gonna you know I'm gonna peg that as an outlier. You give even a really bad offense. You give them the ball two times early within like your own thirty yard line. It's gonna be hard to win a game. But uh, yeah, they haven't looked as good at home. The defense hasn't looked as good. And I guess as a Vikings fan, a little bit, and I do have some futures on them from preseason. I I'm gonna attribute some of the defensive problems. There have been some injuries. And if you look at how Minnesota played last year. Man, they just didn't have injuries on the defense. That defense was great, and it stuck together the entire season. They did not miss anybody that was important for any you know decent amount of time. And when you can have that, you, you almost want to call it just it's luck mm-hmm. because this is the NFL where people get hurt. You know, every quarter there's an injury where they they go to commercial and play the sad music. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's super lucky to have a season like that. And with the injuries, you know, Barr and Rhodes and Everson Griffin losing his mind for a little bit, it's going to be tough. So hopefully, 
you know, if you're holding a Minnesota ticket or if you're looking to back them now, I think that's what you could look for is th- some of those guys getting healthy and making a run down the uh, down the stretch here where their schedule does get a little easier. I mean, just look at the teams they played. I talked about the Chargers having to play Kansas City and the Rams, you know, and that being their two losses. Yep. You know, Minnesota had to play the Rams. They had to play the Saints. There's there's tough games. You know, they got it done versus the Eagles. I don't know how we feel about the Eagles. We'll touch on that in a minute. But, yep. you know, the, the, the you're not going to win all these games against these tough teams, especially go at the Rams and at the Packers. I guess that was a tie. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, look, NFC East, I, I bought a little bit of Philadelphia plus 110 um, prior to the Jacksonville game. The price didn't change too much. Um, look, Washington, 5-2. and two, All Alex Smith does is win, and they were always the value play at plus 300 only because I really believe that Dallas and the Giants were never never going to sniff this. When, I mean, Dallas may have, you know, quote-unquote sniffed this, but I never believe that Dallas would really, really contend uh, at season's end. Uh, and it's really, you know, I think you flip-flop Washington and Philadelphia, and this division's really pretty much exactly where uh, I would have thought it to be uh, Washington five and two Philadelphia four and four again, Dallas three and four and the giants at one seven in the rebuild. We don't have to touch on the giants too much. Um, do you believe, you know, the um, second half or the first half of what Washington has been able to do? Um, or do you think it's more smoke and mirrors looking for some regression moving forward? And do you think Philadelphia figures it out to me? This is Philadelphia's division at the end of the year. I, I really do believe that. Um, I think that Washington is deeply, deeply flawed. They've been a product a little bit of, of kind of who they've played, and um, you know they've they've laid some eggs in some obvious spots, right? When you look at you know getting absolutely blown out by the Saints, uh, but yet again, um, they, I mean they beat the Panthers, which at this point to be shown is, is an easy, not an easy task. Dallas and Cowboys the last two weeks are two very easy wins, and I think that that's really the outlier of what's kind of vaulted them the first half of the season is those last two wins against Giants and Cowboys. Yeah, I took some I took some Cowboys preseason just cuz I I thought the number was too big. It just it seemed a little heavy to me. I thought they might bounce back a little. They had a lot of bad luck with injuries last year. They're kind of uneven. I think that may be a polite term for them. They're uneven. They've had some good games, but they've had I mean like the Jacksonville game we brought that up before so i don't know that uh, they're going to be in the going to be in the discussion late i am very surprised at the redskin success um having a cowboys ticket made it easy to buy i got it at even money sounds like you got a little better number than i but when the eagles number dipped i would i mean it was kind of always was the plan if if it got late you know yeah if if it got late in the season and the cowboys were sniffing anything i was gonna take some eagles at anything where i could cover my liability at a decent number so i did take some eagles to cover that and actually hope to win some on that i still think i agree with you there um just the coaching they have there the talent they have on offense the talent they had last year on defense if they can get that right and they did make a nice trade for a, a nice receiver i like i liked that the fact that they they made something happen. They know that uh, four and four is not where they hope to be, and they needed to do something to get get back in this division race and get in the playoffs and try to defend their title. Completely, man. As we look at the NFC, anything of note that we didn't touch on? You want to touch on the first half of kind of the NFC landscape at this point? As we touch on them, we'll break into the um, basically second half look-aheads. But as we look at this um, overall standings and when it comes to the NFC, 
at this point. Anything you want to kind of break and we look at basically seeding now at the first half. Rams, Saints, Redskins, Bears at four, and then the wild card at Carolina and Seattle. Uh, obviously, there's you know more than one surprise in there, but anything of note that really stuck out to you for the first half on the NFC side that we didn't touch on? Yeah, no, that's a good point you brought there that made me think of that when you start putting the seeds to it. You do have to remember that if you like a team like the Panthers or possibly, you know, Bears, Packers, Redskins, Cowboys, somebody that you think will get into the playoffs, but as a wild card, you know, no, it's it's awful tough for you to play a home game. The only situation a wild card could play a home game is if they were the five, they made it to the title game and played the six. You know, that's it's it's a tough sledding and it has happened. You know, wild card teams have made the Super Bowl teams of, I think, uh, the Giants the one year. They were a wild card team. They, the they won it. So, yeah. yep, the Packers definitely were. So, you know, just just remember that you do have to look all the way ahead. It's a tough road to hold when you have to play three road games to make it to the championship. Yeah, tough ask for sure, man. All right, let's break into the second half look ahead. And basically, the way that we'll do this, we'll break it down by division. We'll just say basically, uh, we'll go through kind of based on odds whether we think that the you know at the the halfway point, uh, the winner or any other teams that provide value that you look to get a future down on or, or anything of note. Um, but before we do that, as always, the Inside Vegas podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Inside Vegas podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Enter promo code SGP. 50 to get a 50% deposit bonus up to $3,000 upwards of a thousand. Now promo code SGP 50 play you win, you get paid. We're also brought to you by odd shark, get free picks from the supercomputer and expert writing staff, as well as data-driven editorial content. Give them a follow on Twitter at odd shark and check them out at oddshark.com. We are brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is the only mobile app that gives you the best chance to beat Vegas. And now NFL lines are available on the app. Head to betql.co to download the only app you need to make smarter bets today. And this one, new sponsor. And I, I really firmly want to talk about them because this is completely, completely talking about what we're doing today. Bet Profit. Bet Profit is the new sponsor to the Inside Vegas podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast. And what they're allowing you to do is essentially um, sell a portion of your ticket. If you don't want to hedge out or sell the ticket, you're able to sell, you know, you want to sell 30% of the ticket, whatever the case may be. Betprofit.co is here for you today. Sean and Ryan just did a uh, interview with them on the NFL Week 9 Picks Podcast. It's at the 38-minute mark if you want to take a look and kind of see what they're all about. But a new secondary uh, buyer is really coming into the market. Profit is modeled after financial trading platforms, allowing users to see trends, stats, news, and media relating to their bets, all on a more modern user friendly platform. Profit allows you to sell whatever percentage of your bet you want in seconds, guaranteeing profit while also keeping some skin in the game. That's betprofit.co to download today. Look, man, so that was the first half. Um, be it, and we talked about them individually, but AFC, NFC, anything, um, what conference looks stronger to you? Um, I know the AFC or the NFC are both very top heavy. To me, that's kind of the narrative when we look at both these conferences as a whole for the first half. It's you have basically the Patriots in the AFC and then everyone else. And then the NFC, you really have the Rams and I would say the Saints um, or Patriots and KC rather. Um, and then the Rams and Saints, it's kind of one, two, and then everyone else. Do you get that feeling from the AFC and NFC? Yeah. And for a while there, and I mean, if you just look at the Super Bowl odds, the Rams are three to one and then the Pats and Chiefs are like six to one. Yeah. And I think it's just indicative of the Pats and Chiefs are very close. I, I mean, what do you, what do you want to put home field advantage at three points? If you're home, the, the Patriots beat the Chiefs by three at home. So <laughs> and that, that, I mean, you're pretty much saying they're pretty evenly matched. So 
I think up until the Saints made a little run here, it was kind of looking like, well, the Rams have an easier path just because they don't have that team that's right there with them. And I think that's going to start to change here if the Saints keep making a run. So uh, it's probably, you know, the AFC was looking more top-heavy, just having two elite teams. But I think as the Saints come along, it's kind of evening up a little here. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a weird landscape because the AFC is always the Pats and everyone else. Now you add the Chiefs in there, and even though the Pats, you know, I will never, I get to see it first for the Chiefs to beat the Pats. Um, and again, first year quarterbacks, as we saw with Jared Goff last year, uh, it, it's a tough ass to do that in the playoffs in their first go around. But let's look forward um, as we look at this. The AFC, well, um, AFC East. I think this one's kind of cut and dry. New England and everyone else. Anyone out of Miami, Jets, or Buffalo you want to buy either to win the AFC <laughs> oh, or yeah. division? All right, let's skip that so, one. So I, I pulled up better. I pulled up the bet online prices just now. So nope, that's uh even at those big numbers. You can have the bills at 150 to one to win the division. If you want to have a ticket to laugh about. Yeah. I'm all set there. AFC North. Uh, we'll do let's the, basically they're tied um, via percentage points because of Pittsburgh tie by Pittsburgh. I mean, we could really touch on everyone in this division. Um, do you think that Pittsburgh ends up with this division or anyone either AFC? I know we're both involved in some uh, Ravens futures one way or another, but anyone in this division um, outside of Pittsburgh, you think it's favorite right now? Or yeah, I, I'm all for a Bengals kind of collapse. But if you feel like this team can actually kind of keep it up, there's probably a little value at plus 225 still. Because the, the Pittsburgh's always going to take money. They're kind of a, you know, a public team and a team with more of a pedigree. And they've won this division so many times that maybe that's priced in a little bit. But I mean, even even at even money, if if you think Pittsburgh's going to run away with this and they're just they're going to get that defense right, they have a lot of offensive weapons. I don't know what. I, you know, I was just going to say I don't know what's going to happen with Le'Veon Bell, but I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The Connor kids, Connor kids looking pretty good. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to kind of come down to your preference on this. If you think any of these teams starts to make a run, and maybe this takes a deep dive on the schedules a little to see what those are looking like. But even at plus 250 for the Ravens, if they can make a little run with that defense and get if they get it done this weekend, that 250, that's gone. Like yeah. if you think if you think the Ravens win the division, maybe or win this game this weekend, maybe taking that plus 250 wouldn't be a bad move too. Completely, completely agree. AFC South, this one again, wide, wide open man. First first to last is two games. To me, uh, Jacksonville is the one that I would make a move on. I, I've already kind of made this move and I can't quit this team despite how much they keep. The, I keep seeing this price and I'm just so reminded of the Dodgers that at the end of the year, I think that Watson is one injury away and it really may come this week as Watson is going to be running for his life against this Denver front seven. Again, talking, I mean, Denver top three DVOA and just a sack rate and Houston offensive line, basically uh, bottom third in the league. So the injuries to Watson, uh, it really could come this week. I'm not trying to be funny and sit here and hope for an injury, uh, but that's the real of the situation and I just don't buy Tennessee and Indy uh, so to me you know I would really take a take a flyer on the last place Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC South yeah. if anything um, anything you want to add to the South uh, I know five dimes has the odds down right now because we have the Thursday night game going on but I know they have like a yes no market on this yep as far as Texans to win like will the Texans win the AFC South that might not be a bad price because I'm seeing the Texans minus 200. So you're probably going to get what a plus 150 on no. Mm-hmm. If you think, if you think, you know, Watson isn't going to be long for this world, he's going <laughs> to die. He's, you know, he's not going to die, but long for this world as a starter who's healthy and, you know, getting out there every week. 
a plus 150 doesn't look too bad. If you don't have that option, I mean, you could take a third of a unit and put it on the Jags, Titans, and Colts. They're all over five to one. You're essentially getting, you know, somewhere near that number at least. So that that might not be a bad play too. If you if you want to just go on a straight Texans fade, you can you can bet the rest of the division individually for smaller amounts and have you know a plus a plus money number saying Houston does not keep this hot streak up and does not win this division. I definitely like what you're saying. The Jaguars have looked shitty, but they've been there. It's always been. They, the I mean, something. I I I like their offensive coordinator. I I think. There's a possibility they do get right, even with Bortles. They they had a great defense last year. I don't like. I just don't understand what's wrong with this team right now. And if if they can figure it out, they're definitely a like you said. It's such a tight division right now. Five hundred or better. That that's a pretty sexy number if you think uh, if you think a team can get back in this race. Yeah, no. If you're giving me Houston versus the field, I'm gonna take the field all day. So I, I absolutely think that that's that's a great play. Not to limit yourself to just the Jaguars. Um, I would I would probably take a flyer on that field uh afc west again um i think this one to me it's charges or pass at, at the current numbers obviously being offered to casey is completely i don't say overvalued it's just the numbers a little bit high to buy into a, at set seven and one yet at the end of the day charges only one and a half uh point or one and a half games back um i guess the question is do you would you buy a charges future at this price at this ticket having not uh, gotten involved preseason or you think this one's just casey's and, and move on probably not it's probably just casey's it, it's tough because like they said, they're only a game and a well, technically they're more than that because they lost to the Chiefs already. So they're back and they've lost head to head already. Yeah. So that's tough. And I believe that loss was was that in LA? Yes. I think yeah. So they they have to go to Kansas City yet. I think that's probably a lost cause. That number should probably be even bigger. Yeah, it's tough, right? And you feel bad because uh, Chargers have really played, you know, a great season, but it's just uh, luck of the draw, I guess, at this point, right? And talk about who they've lost to, but it is what it is. AFC, um, to wrap it up for the second half, um, anything you want to talk about best bet wise, anything to get involved when we talk about the second half uh, of the season for an, you know, an outlook for a specific team zeroed in on to make a run, anything like that when we look at this landscape is kind of the most well, likely. It's like you talk, you talked a little before, and maybe the Chargers were a good example of what we just talked about. If you have a team you like, but they're in a tough position like the Chargers, a better way to back them maybe to win the AFC championship and you know put something along that lines together, especially if you can get a if you up or if you have a cash out button and you just are looking for a team to get into the playoffs. If you because if you get Chargers, I'm not sure what you're seeing to win the AFC championship. I'm not liking some of these numbers, but yeah, I Chargers everything's down because of the Thursday night game right now. Yeah, I'm I'm seeing like a seven to one to win the AFC. So if you can get a team into the second round of the playoffs, even if they are having to go to Kansas City, that number's gonna be lower. Like that's that's gonna be a decent number on a really good team. So you know Chargers Steelers are both seven to one. The AFC, you've got some of the deeper cuts. You've got the Colts and Jaguars, 25 to one, 50 to one teams that you think you can get into the playoffs at a big fat number like that. I always like that. I rode the Falcons a little too far last year into the playoffs with a big number. And, uh, I really, really needed them to get one of those, one of those down against the Eagles into the end zone and I would have been cashing hard against Minnesota for them but uh, that's always a, it's always a fun chase especially when you when you have something like a 25 to 1 to win the conference it's in the when they get to the final four of the of the conference 
Yeah, it's hard. And look, this goes back to what you were saying, what I said in the beginning. It's it's making a bet knowing that they're not going to sniff this or come close to it. And you have to have a cash out option, like a prop swap, like a bet profit or a cash out option. Uh, and you can still make a great amount of money. To me, the team in the AFC to do that is the Chargers to win the AFC. Um, I, I really think that we've both kind of talked ourselves into that uh, for a number. Again, taking a number strictly to shorten uh, and doing it that way. I think the Chargers are probably the best team in the AFC outside of either uh, the NFC North. So Cincinnati, or Baltimore. Um, so that's that's kind of the AFC, I think, when we look at this from a, a quote-unquote value perspective there when we talk about the AFC. Let's shift over to the NFC, man. So again, NFC East, to me, Washington was always the value play. At the end of the day, I really, I already made this position. I think that Philadelphia at plus 110 is probably leaving a little bit more now at one and a half games back. I'm taking some Philadelphia. Um, uh, are you a believer in Washington or are you okay re-upping or uh, taking a position yeah, at the halfway point of Philly? You know, like we said, we both already took some Philadelphia at even money, but I am kind of tempted. I think we've talked each other into maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe adding to that position because it, it's plus 150. Yeah. And, I mean, you've seen what this team can do. It's a well-coached team. I think we, we see that. I mean, go look at the look at the teams who made the Super Bowl last year. They're well-coached teams. You need proper leadership to do things late in the season, to do things into the playoffs. So I think, yeah, Eagles at plus 150. And I think that tells us story too as far as they're you know it's plus 110 for the Raiders and plus 150 for the Eagles and then look at the standings I mean there's only half a season left and they've got two more losses and one less win so I if if it weren't the Eagles I think this number would be a little bigger I think books are a little worried about taking too much exposure on the Eagles at this point and sometimes that can be kind of telling so I, I'm actually, yeah, I'm pretty tempted to add my Eagles position at a bigger number right now. Agree, agree, agree on the NFC East. Let's look at the NFC North. Uh, as we talk about this, look, Chicago and Minnesota uh, at the top right now, obviously uh, percentage points above for Chicago. Um, so I'll lump them in together as they are tied right now. Um, Chicago, Minnesota, or Green Bay? I think, um, are you in the camp of buying a Detroit future? I don't think so. So which one of those, no. <laughs> if uh, if any, do you think uh, poses the best value as a team to buy in the NFC North, if any? Or is it Chicago the rest of the way? To me, it's Minnesota. Yeah, I think it is Minnesota. There was, I don't know if I can remember what they were preseason. It was probably right around even money. So you're getting a better number right now. They're not, you know, they're technically behind the Bears, but the Bears are plus 220. I mean, the, again, the the lines kind of tell you the story. The Vikings are a better team. The Vikings are a more experienced team with better playmakers, a better quarterback. And their schedule does ease up a little bit in the second half. Uh, I'm already pretty balls deep in Minnesota NFC North future, so I won't be taking any more. But I definitely would... Uh, would probably advocate for it, especially go. I mean, just go look at the schedules of the Bears, Vikings, and Packers. Yeah. I don't think it's the Packers, and I definitely, you know, as much as I'm, I'm impressed with uh, what Patricia's done up there, I think the Lions are the Lions are kind of a weird team. They they bought and sold at the trade deadline, which is <laughs> kind of an odd odd situation. That's the way that you go eight and eight in the NFL, buddy. Yeah. Uh, NFC South, look. We talked about this one earlier. To me, Carolina kind of surprised us both a little bit. I wasn't as down on them as you were, uh, but I'm not holding any Carolina futures at this moment. I have some Saints, and I've seen some Saints Super Bowl from preseason. I'm also holding a little bit of Atlanta stuff. So a little bit up and down here as we talk about kind of our, our preseason positions. Is this the Saints, or do you think that there's a case to be made for Carolina or Atlanta to make a run? Uh, again, I know Tampa is the same record as Atlanta, but I'm just not ready to buy them at all. 
Yeah, this is interesting too because if you are a if you are a Panthers believer, they play the Saints week 15 and 17. So, I mean, there's nothing nobody has a game in hand as far as head to head. This is this is really going to come down to it where um, and where I'm looking is the week 15 matchup. The first of the two is in Carolina where they've played so well. So I think maybe a move to be made here would be Panthers plus 250. And if they do, both teams stay hot, get, you know, commensurate wins as far as, you know, sticking with each other, staying within about a game of each other. If the Panthers get that win at home, on December 17th, I think you can buy out for profit with some saints futures at that point. So, I mean, if you believe in the Panthers to keep up this, if you don't think it's barrage, which I'm thinking less and less of each week, <laughs> especially plus, at home. plus, you know, plus two fifty, going, go, I think going into that saints game, if they can get that game done, they would be the favorites at that point after getting that home win. So you could, at that point, if you wanted to ride it out or take some saints money at that point. Yeah. When we look at these, these are lines, these are lines that get posted every week. You can sit and play with these like a market all season long. Yeah. It, it, again, I would love to buy some Atlanta in the second half and just knowing that they've, they've been notorious much like for Seattle for being the second half team. It's just, the issue is they're not getting anyone back. All of these defensive players are out for the season and these ACLs and torn, <laughs> torn Achilles, they are not getting healthier. They are not getting reinforcements. So at the end of the day, it, it's hard to take Atlanta to me. I, I almost think that there's some, this is going to sound kind of weird, but I think that there's the value in Carolina to win the division, but the saints to uh, win the NFC and again, Super Bowl, just assuming uh, to get the Oz for a cash out option. Um, I think both of those are really in play. Um, Atlanta, I just don't think is going to get there. Uh, in Tampa Bay, I just, I'm not buying the Fitzmagic hype. So I think that it makes a little sense to do a little bit of both there. Um, New Orleans to make, you know, to again, just to get a cash out number on the NFC and the Super Bowl and Carolina to win the division, um, I think are both uh, as weird as it sounds. I know they sound opposite, um, but to get yourself a nice little profit there, those are the two there. Um, NFC, NFC Westman, this one's hard. Skip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you see, you see the numbers. I mean, it's minus 7,500 for the Rams. I was actually a little high on that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you believe in the Russell Wilson magic, you're getting 11 to one. I, it would take a lot. It would take numerous injuries on the Rams and Seattle winning every single game from here on out. I think so. That's probably just a pass. Yep. Look, Rams are going to win that division, but look at, let's look at this overall and we'll kind of get a temperature check on, you know, where, where things are heading when we talk about AFC and NFC playoffs. As we look at this from the AFC, uh, AFC leaders, look, Kansas city at the one seed right now, New England, the two, I think that's so, so huge. When we talk about uh, home field advantage, you know, going to arrowhead or, uh, the Chiefs, you know, potentially coming to Foxborough as they just saw, just lost. Only loss of the year was against New England at Foxborough. I think that home field advantage really could determine that one. Pittsburgh at the three, Houston at the four. As a, Again, as if the season were to end right now, your top two wildcard teams would be the Chargers and the Bengals. Obviously, a lot could change with that NFC or AFC North with Pittsburgh, uh, Cincinnati, and Baltimore. Um, anything that you see really changing when we look at this at the end of week 17 from what you're looking at right now when we look at the AFC standings and seeding? And like you, I just did talk about this with whale. Uh, I think it was this week. It all runs together. We talk so much football and I think we did hit on that. It's going to be the AFC North and the chargers that put the two wild cards in. I really don't see, you know, 
Dolphins or somebody from the South usurping a wild card spot. So it'll be the Chargers and the second team, the second best team in the AFC North. And I, I like we said with the AFC North, it's really tough to figure out what's going to go on there. There could be between those top three teams, a lot could happen. So it's, it's going to be tough to predict, but I, I think probably like Steelers and Ravens get in from there. And then the AFC South, whatever comes out of that mess and whatever comes out of that mess is going to get a home game and probably lose. Who represents the AFC in the Super Bowl? Is it the chiefs or the Patriots? Who it, it might end up being the chiefs. If you have to go through Arrowhead. I look, they look so good, but you know who also looked so good last year? Uh, that was Jared Goff. And I just, I have such an issue with first year. Dak Prescott was another oh, one. Rookie or first year starting quarterbacks, when they get into the playoffs, it is a different environment. People talk about NFL speed versus college. There's a different speed in the playoffs. And so, look, Kansas or New England money line against Kansas City in that, you know, opening round of New England's playoffs traditionally has been my biggest money line play of this of the season every single year. When that happens, it's always like a minus five spread. Uh, this year, I, I may not get there. And again, I know that there's a likely AFC championship battle there rather than a first or a second round. Uh, tilt, but that one's going to be tough for sure. As we shift over to the NFC uh, leaders, well, Rams. And Andy Reid in the playoffs. You just never know, man. <laughs> Very it, true. It, every year it shows its head. Look, NFC Rams, Saints, Redskins, Chicago. To me, much different than the AFC. This one could be completely, completely different outside of the Rams and Saints uh, in Carolina, Seattle wild card. I mean, in the hunt outside of the playoffs right now, if this playoffs were to start tomorrow, you have Minnesota not making it, Green Bay not making it, Philadelphia not making it, Atlanta not making it, um, Dallas, Detroit, Tampa Bay, uh, and on down the line. So some really good teams in that three through six range. Again, Minnesota, Green Bay, Philadelphia, Atlanta out if it started right now, Carolina and Seattle in, uh, in the Bears and Redskins in um, this one to me it could be completely jumbled um, what do you think about oh, this kind sure. of landscape and kind of what will be the difference yeah and again like I've said numerous times look at the schedule start breaking that down if you want to start making some bets some informed bets on this and uh, you know just when you start leaning teams you do got to look at things like experience you look at that NFC South what do you got you got three yeah Cam Cam, you got three teams with quarterbacks and coaches that have been to the Super Bowl. Like, Crazy. you know, not not. I guess the Saints. It's been a while, but I mean, those are those are teams with experienced coaches, experienced quarterbacks. They've been to the playoffs plenty, and that 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 stuff matters. And as much as I talk shit about Green Bay's schedule, I mean, you've got a very seasoned signal caller who can seemingly put that team on their back. So I, I do lean towards the Bears tapering off. Young coach, young quarterback, probably the Vikings taking that division. I I don't know that the Bears have what it takes to get it done for the full season. And, you know, like you said, with the Vikings out of the playoffs, I think I think you hit it on the head with the Falcons. It might just be too much with the cluster injuries. I I think it'll probably be, you know, Vikings, Saints, Rams, Eagles winning their divisions. And then uh, you know, probably uh the Panthers sneaking in, maybe not sneaking in. They have a great record and a fifth team, a sixth team. It might end up being like the Redskins. Yep, for sure. Uh, who represents the NFC? Is it the Saints or is it the Rams or someone else you want to talk about? If the Saints can keep this up and and end up with a better record than the Rams, boy, that's tough. 
the Saints home field advantage compared to the Rams home field advantage is a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's such a such a big thing. Having that dome down there. I think if the Saints can can make a run at this, I'm not sure if they play each other. I, I haven't looked at that schedule. They're playing this week, aren't they? Oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah, that's a game I completely skipped. Wow, it's it's getting late here in Minnesota. Um, yeah, boy, if the Saints win and have that head to head, they'd be tied. You know, technically the Saints have a one less game, but over the course of the season, they both will play sixteen. But if you can get that head to head win, if the Saints can get home field advantage throughout the playoffs, that's so tough. It's so tough to go down and play in that dome. Yeah. So I, I think I think so much hinges on this game that I completely forgot we were playing this weekend. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So, yeah, super important game and not something I'll be involved in with such a high total with two good teams. Yeah, it, ironically, I may like the loser of this game, you know, to to write that chip the second time around, which which sounds oh, a yeah. little bit weird, um, but a lot to be um, had there. Uh, so sounds like you're going to you going with Chiefs and Saints. What do you think the Super Bowl line is and who wins? Oh, you'd probably you'd probably line that one pretty close. Decent offenses, maybe Chiefs by just under a field goal. Yeah, I'd say I think Chiefs give it to and, Yeah, maybe give it to give it to the experienced team with the experienced quarterback, and he and uh, Breeze rides off into the sunset. People people talk about you know some of these older players, and Breeze kind of gets lost in that. He's almost forty. Yeah, he's like this. This might be this might be his last go. So that's, this could be, they could be an all in kind of playoff team. That's a narrative, right? And when we look at this, it's funny. I know that you're, you're in the belief of the saints. I would lean more towards the Rams. Uh, I, I really think that the Rams would be, uh, basically, I think that, that game's a pick Rams versus, uh, chiefs would be a pick in the super bowl. Do you think that would be the same one? Just to give people context. Yeah, that would be good. That would be a really good game. I feel like the, that, that line would bounce minus one as people kind of played with it and the market played with it a little bit, but it wouldn't go above, you know, minus one, minus one and a half either way. Yeah, and when, I mean, just from a general point of view, too, any line that's sitting under two, it doesn't take much to move it like down to one or through zero. You'll see those bounce around like that every week, one of those lines. And that's probably a fair line right around, you know, under two for either team and probably bounce around for two weeks like it does before a Super Bowl. That's it, buddy. We did it. Uh, anything you want to touch on as either glaring something you want to talk about the first half, the second half, look ahead. I know we kind of touched on schedules, but anything and everything that looks at the second half, look ahead and what uh, to expect, anything you're looking forward to seeing unfold as we march on towards the playoffs at the halfway point of the NFL season. No, I guess I would just say, you know, if you if this is something you like to do is speculate and look forward, this is something you should be doing every week. You know, we, we kind of did this as a halfway point, but, you know, look at these odds every week. They're going to pop up on whatever outs you have, whichever books, you know, I'm using bet online, but I'll look. And that is, boy, I preach that on deep dive a lot, shop around. And I'm sure you see that out in the desert too there. It is wildly different from book to book on futures sometimes. You know, most most sides and totals are going to be real close from book to book, but some reason future bets and it's it's a lot of it is based on the book's liability and what they're exposed to. But you can see huge differences, especially on the bigger numbers from one book might be hanging 25 to one. Somebody might be hanging 40 to one. So definitely shop around if you are going to be looking to put something together for later on in the season like this on a future bet. 
We uh, throughout the NFL season on our different handicap around, we we try to bring out a consensus best bet as something that we're both on. Um, do you have a bet that kind of fits your handicapping philosophy this week that you really uh, are really enjoying? Or you're enjoying a terrific and great and profitable NFL season. Is there any bet that really sticks out into your mind this week to give out to the listeners? I have only bet one game, and it's against your your Seahawks. I did take the Chargers. It opened at plus two and a half. I normally wouldn't bet a two and a half. It's like your spread don't matter thing. I I will grab a, a money line on a plus two and a half, but mm-hmm. obviously they don't offer money lines on Sunday evening when the lines come out. So I grab Chargers two and a half. I'm probably going to rebet it at plus one or when a money line pops at anything around even. I. Uh, like we've said a couple times, the Chargers are good. I don't even going up to Seattle. It's not the Legion of Boom. It's not the same Seattle. I think they go get it done this weekend. Completely agree with you, man. And it's funny you brought this up as my Seahawks. The Seahawks are notorious for showing up when people kind of count them out and then they lose that next game consistently. And as we talked about, the Chargers only have lost to a team combined 15 and one uh, with the Rams and uh, the Chiefs. Uh, so I'm actually very much on board with that. So let's go ahead and we'll give out the chargers plus two and a half again, sprinkle a little bit on that money line as well for the consensus best bet for Andy and myself on the inside Vegas podcast, man. I cannot thank you enough. Um, again, I always plug everything you guys have going on, but I want to give you the floor, uh, to plug the deep dive podcast, the website and everything, um, where people can find you on Twitter and all that good stuff. Yeah, my Twitter handle's Andy MSFW. Maybe safe for work. Whale came up with that when I needed to rebrand after I had a uh, one of those random. I had yeah, yeah. Well, I had a my original Twitter handle is just like one of those auto ones with just like thirty numbers at the end of my name. Yeah, Andy with like uh, my social security number. So I had to rebrand <laughs> there. I got a lot of shit for that after a while, but yeah, um, you can follow me there. You can follow the Deep Dive Podcast at uh, at Deep Dive Pod. We come out with a. Every Sunday we do a podcast, a shorter one, where we just kind of do a little bit of a recap and we do it right around when the opening numbers come out so we can kind of talk about anything we're grabbing right away or, you know, surprises that we're seeing after those start to pop on Bet Online and Pinnacle. And uh, then we do one later in the week where we do kind of deep in, deep dive into the whole slate. We'll go into everything except the Monday night game, which obviously we do that on the Sunday pod. So look for those. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, anything you're going to get your podcasts on. Subscribe to those. And uh, yeah, uh, deepdivemedia.co. That's where we do some writing we haven't been as active this nfl season but uh we did a lot of writing in the preseason it's fun now that i now that i'm talking about it, i feel bad and i should probably put an article up this week <laughs> deepdive.co and again the deep dive podcast with andy and the white whale um absolutely invaluable please rate subscribe and review on itunes to that um again brother thank cannot thank you enough for looking at this first half and ahead to the second half man um again please follow him on twitter at andy safe for work sfw bro thanks so much bro we'll talk soon All right. Thanks for having me.